your work life, all of our work lives. Welcome to Work with Marty Nemco. Today, we're going to talk about career changers, but not just in general, because general advice is often at least incomplete advice. We're going to talk about specific advice for would-be career changers if you're a creative, would-be advice for the career changer who's a counselor, a therapist, coach, whatever, and career change for teachers. Let's start with creatives. I picked those three, by the way, because they represent a disproportionate number of people who tend to listen to this show and maybe the station more broadly. Um, So, the words, I want to be an artist or a fiction writer or a musician or an actor, those words strike fear into many parents' hearts. And Of course, mommy and daddy are sometimes wrong. Many artists and writers and musicians and actors have ignored their parents' warnings of that's impractical, and gone on to enjoy successful, or at least successful enough careers as creatives. They can so, therefore, take tell their parents and the world, see, I told you so. Of course, some creatives come to experience why the words starving and the word artist so often adjoin. And they're willing to swallow their pride and look for a so-called straight job. But how does a creative convince a standard employer that a free-spirited, often anti-the-man person would be an employee who's willing to conform to the rules, show up 9 to 5 or 9 to 7 increasingly, like clockwork, and work, if only indirectly, to build profit? And of course, that's also true of so-called non-profits. They're just about as interested in, as the for-profits are, in making money, but at least hopefully to help the needy. Let's talk about visual artists first. Some visual artists, especially graphic artists, do make a good living if they have or can develop a business sense. What sort of visuals will get people to buy or to donate? And to prove you can do that, you've got to create a portfolio of visuals that is aimed at bringing in the bucks. And in job interviews, you have to focus on the business side of things. If the employer lacked your portfolio enough to interview you, he or she doesn't need convincing of your artistic ability. That person needs proof that you're willing to suppress art for art's sake wildness for the timely creation of what's going to sell or raise money for the nonprofit. And the better you can demonstrate that, the more likely you are to get that organization to open its pocketbook to fill yours. Now, of course, the same principle applies to writers. I mean, I love the idea of taking 10 years to write the great American novel. But if you've decided to relegate that to after work time, your portfolio needs to show that you can quickly write, for example, fundraising letters that make fat cats open their wallets, speeches for the CEO to inspire the troops, annual reports that make people want to invest, or PR pitches that are compelling enough to rise to the top of journalists' mountain of Pick me, press releases. Now let's turn to being a musician. If you're a musician, have you demonstrated transferable skills? For example, have you demonstrated leadership in creating and leading a band? Have you demonstrated marketing that puts butts in seats? Have you demonstrated the charisma to wow a crowd? 
or the ability to organize and plan, like uh, getting the band stuff to and from gigs and coordinating with marketing people, with the venue staff. Those skills are applicable to a wide range of careers, from small to large organizations, from for-profit to non-profit to government. Again, the trick is convincing the employer that someone who's been all about making music can be all about making money, or at least much about making money. And finally, I want to talk a bit about actors. Actors are masters at listening and responding authentically, well, at least at appearing authentic. And of course, actors are poised in front of an audience. They're good at owning the stage with a compelling presence. So, actors can make the case that they're worth hiring as teachers, as trainers, as salespeople, as fundraisers, and even as people managers, because a great manager is a great listener and a teacher, inspirational, and can adapt, importantly here for actors, can adapt his or her personality to fit who they're interacting with. It's exactly what good actors do. Of course, taking a straight job doesn't mean you have to abandon your craft. Plenty of serious creatives take day jobs, but they discipline themselves. Discipline is kind of a dirty word in the modern era. I'm not quite sure why. Plenty of serious creatives take day jobs, but they discipline themselves to devote plenty of after-work time to their art. And who knows? Maybe a few years of pursuing your craft avocationally will yield enough progress to, again, make that your main gig, but this time without the words starving and artist adjoining. I have now, I'm going to turn to career change ideas for counselors and for teachers, but I'd now, as always, I'd like to invite you to call in if you have a work-related problem, um, certainly if you're a career change or would-be career changer and you're a creative, or you're a would-be career changer and you're a counselor, or you're a would-be career changer and you're a teacher. But anybody who's got a work-related problem, that's fair game. The phone number here at Work With Marty Nemco and KALW for what I call a workover. No pummeling involved, usually. The phone number, 415-841-4134. That's 415-841-4134. Now I want to turn to ideas for career changers, would-be career changers if you are a counselor, like a therapist or a, or a guidance counselor or a coach or a teacher. Not so much for teachers. I'll deal with teachers directly, separately. So maybe you, as a counselor or a therapist, have had enough listening to clients complain. Or you're tired of their yes-butting. <laughs> or their lack of progress. Or simply they're not showing up for appointments. Or they're pleading poverty when you sense it's untrue or simply not paying. And you've tried or at least considered a bunch of career tweaks, for example, turning down two challenging prospective clients and letting go, gently, of existing clients. You've tried specializing. Maybe you went from generic marriage and family counselor to specialist in, for example, interracial couples or men in bad relationships or to counter the feelings of isolation that often exist in people who are in solo private practice, instead of seeing clients at home or at a coffee shop, you've bitten the bullet and are paying rent in a building that has counselors as tenants. But nothing has sufficiently reduced your malaise. So you want out, but you're scared, understandably. You're thinking, what else could I do? Is anybody going to pay me decent money to do something else? Well, maybe one or more of the following possibilities appeal to you. Maybe you'd want to supervise, like 
Maybe you want to hire a competent but not marketing-oriented practitioner, the kind, you know, if they are market-oriented, they'll, you know, take whatever they can from you and very often just leave you. Um, and so maybe you'd like to hire a competent but not marketing-oriented person to do the counseling while you market and supervise and you take a fair piece of the proceeds. Or maybe a university might hire you to supervise counseling staff or interns. Or maybe you'd like to manage professionals or paraprofessionals working for what's called an employee assistance program. You see, large organizations outsource to EAP, that's the acronym, of course, for employee assistance programs. Large organizations outsource to EAP firms so their employees can get help with problems that are hurting their work, like substance abuse, anxiety, a relationship problem, and so on. Another career change option for counselors that may not be so obvious is sales, or its nonprofit analog, as I mentioned earlier, fundraising. You see, the core to the good salesperson or fundraiser is that counselor core ability to listen well rather than talk so much and to infer what's beneath the surface and to write, ask the right questions, like just what counselors do, right? So some examples of things you might want to try selling if you are a counselor type, uh, not only could you use those transferable skills in general, but, for example, if you're selling software that helps counselors and doctors or whatever manage their practices, practice management software, or be a leasing agent for professional office space. A lot of counselors, therapists, massage therapists, body workers, you know, etc., uh, they lease professional office space, and you, who've been a counselor, can better relate. This may seem less obvious, but it's true selling bridal gowns or wedding venue rental. Very few people would think that the spending all that big money on a wedding is a rational thing. The counselor is better able to understand the emotional stuff that's going on with the bride or groomzilla. Um, and finally, personnel recruiting. Yeah, that is sales. Your main job as a recruiter is to convince employers. If you're working for a headhunting firm, not in-house. But if you're working for a recruiting firm... Your main job is to convince employers at a variety of firms to hire your firm, and you in particular, to fill positions. Now let's turn to the nonprofit realm of sales, which is fundraising. It might be easiest to break into the nonprofit realm by fundraising for a nonprofit that focuses on the kind of problem that you address as a counselor. For example, a marriage and family therapist might raise money for a spousal or child abuse nonprofit. A career counselor might raise money for a charity that helps people find employment. For example, the Salvation Army or Jewish Vocational Services, which, by the way, although it is run by a Jewish organization, it is very much open to everybody. It's remarkable how ecumenical they are. In any case, next, um, a would-be career changer who's a counselor might want to be a tutor. The same things that have attracted you to counseling, or may have at least, like helping people one-on-one or in small groups in a peaceful atmosphere, are found in tutoring. But instead of psychological problems, your clients are have learning issues. Might you be happier and more successful in dealing with those? Would-be career changes who are counselors might also consider public relations. I mean, we are all inundated by businesses and nonprofits that are pawing for our money. Well, counselors have skills and intuitions that can lead to successful pawing. For example, might you be good at convincing media outlets to promote your client? Maybe it's a counselor who has written a book and is looking to use the book to get more clients and, you know, speaking engagements, appearing on a radio show, for example. Um, 
Another example of a, a career change option that's realistic often for counselor types is to be an investigator or interrogator. The counselor's ability to establish rapport and trust to listen well and ask the right questions at the right time are invaluable in the investigator and the interrogator. So maybe you could become employed by a law enforcement agency or by a corporate, governmental, or educational institution's complaint department. So, even in today's high-tech world, the counselor may not be stuck. There are many paths out, and might one of the ones I mentioned be at least worthy of <coughs> investigation. Anyway, those who are just so that I'll quickly run those down and give out the phone number again if you have a, if you'd like a workover, you'd like some help with your work problem. Maybe if you're tired of being a counselor or therapist or coach, you might like to supervise, whether it be uh, running a private practice where you're supervising people you hire, or at a university. Uh, where you're supervising counseling staff for interns or managing professionals or paraprofessionals in an employee assistance program or doing sales or its nonprofit analog fundraising or being a tutor or being in public relations or being an investigator or an interrogator. So plenty of options for counselors who've had enough uh, of that. Uh, phone number, if you would like a work-related, uh, some work-related guidance, the phone number here at Work With Marty Nemco and KALW, 415 415- 841-4134. The show is Work with Marty Nemco, 415-841-4134. And now, as promised, uh, there are many teachers who love it and stay in the field for life, uh, not just because of the summer's off and the benefits and, and uh, uh, the, the, one of the last jobs that give you job security after two or three years and a pension at the end of your career, but they like it or love it or feel it's their mission. But some teachers, despite all that, have had enough of the classroom. Maybe you're tired of dealing with students who don't want to learn or of correcting sheaves of painfully bad student writing or of trying to motivate kids to work hard at an unrealistically challenging mandated curriculum or you're tired of after-school teacher trainings that don't train very well or of pushy parents or uninterested ones. Maybe you're tired of an unfair principal of administrative rules that tie your hands unfairly. Well, teachers have transferable skills. For example, explaining, organizing, and the ability to satisfy many stakeholders. they got to satisfy the students, the administrators, the parents, the fellow teachers, the legislators, that pesky mountain of rules and regulations. But it can be tough to convince employers that the aphorism is false, that those who can do, those who can teach. So maybe more than most career changers, teachers need to prove that they not only have transferable skills, but they have them at a high level. And often you can accomplish that best by showing would-be employers a portfolio of your best lesson plans, of your students' work, a statement of your approach to teaching, and maybe most convincing, a video of you in action. Have a videographer, maybe it could be just a student or a friend, video you conducting a lesson that shows you at your best. Also, walk the videographer through your classroom as you narrate your planning and thought process, maybe what you, what, how you decide what to put on the walls, what assignments to give, and even how you've organized your desk and student storage spaces. Then edit the video to the best two minutes, and voila, instead of telling them, you're showing them. Show, don't tell often prevails. As well, have a few what I call PAR stories, a problem you faced, the approach you took, and the result. Problem, approach, result. Tell those in the stories about minute long, 
in your interviews. Have those ready. And many interviewers, and I'm not sure this is the wisest thing, but it's the, it's the human truth. Many interviewers are compelled more by story than by straight facts. We've got callers in the line, but I'd like to finish this, uh, uh, this, my guidance here on career change for teachers, and then we'll go to the phone. So I'll, if you're a caller waiting on the line, I will ask for about three minutes or so of, uh, uh, of, uh, of patience. And so, but what sort of career might the educator, the teacher who wants out, want to aim for? Here are some that capitalize on some common teacher strengths and that many people find rewarding. First is obvious, which is education administration. It's an obvious choice, but it is often not the wisest one, and that is because the skill set required to be, for example, a principal or a district administrator is very different from that of the good teacher. The administrator's job is to interpret regulations, to liaison and resolve conflicts with other administrators. But that said, because public education's bureaucracy is among our most elaborate, Many positions exist in education administration. (coughs) In addition to school-level jobs such as dean, assistant principal, and principal, there are myriad administrators in school districts, county offices of education, regional agencies such as for special education, your state's education department, that is California obviously here, and the U.S. Office of Education. Would-be ex-teachers also often find school counseling a more felicitous option than administration. School counseling comes in flavors. You know, commonly the disciplinary counselor, the academic advisor, the college counselor. Um, Another option for would-be career changers who are teachers, school librarian. Now, that job tends to be unusually rewarding because you're selecting and curating the library's collection, you're training students on the art of finding the right resource, and you're helping teachers find what they need. Tutor is another option. Many people enter teaching not just in hopes of short work days and summers off, but even more so to really teach. And tutors get to teach and in an individualized way, without the challenges of classroom management, without administrative edicts, and so on. Another option for would-be career change with teachers is, of course, a trainer. You see, teachers are mandated to take what's called in-service trainings, often on so-called minimum days, where the students are let out early so the training can occur within the union-limited six-and-a-half-hour school day. In-service training is often provided not just by district personnel or county personnel or state personnel, but also by outside consultants. So there may be options there for the good ex-teacher who would like to use their teaching skills in a different context. And outside of K-12 education, corporations, nonprofits, government, and consultancies do training. For example, sexual harassment, Inclusion or diversity training, depending on how you call it these days, inclusion or diversity trainings are often mandated by law. Creating even more jobs, employees who have completed those trainings are typically required to retake them every year or two. And then there are trainings on everything from customer service to team building, employee safety to software implementation. So training is a very um, possible transition career for those who want to leave the teaching profession. Consultant to teachers. Many teachers think that their training that they got at the university did not prepare them well for the real world of the classroom. They may have learned developmental theory, but that's a long way from how to deal with a class full of kids who enjoy challenging the teacher's ability to control the class. Often, such teachers are reluctant to ask for help from their principal or from fellow teachers because they're afraid it'll cause extra scrutiny or maybe even termination. That's where the private consultant can come in. 
If you're an ACE teacher but you've had enough of the classroom, maybe you'd like to be a consultant to struggling teachers. Just a few more. Sales and, again, it's nonprofit analog, which is fundraising. Many teachers are reluctant to leave public education, not just because they'd give up the job security, the tenure, you know, and non-parel benefits, including that ever-rarer pension, but they're afraid they're going to make less money. Sales and fundraising may offer the most realistic opportunity to make serious money, and that's because salespeople and fundraisers are directly responsible for bringing in the bucks. So organizations tend to pay them well if they bring in the bucks. Another option, research assistant or editor. High school teachers might want to query a dozen of their favorite authors or professors asking if they need a researcher. For example, a history teacher might query writers of history. An English teacher might query a novelist known for rich details about their book's milieu. Another option for would-be ex-teachers, organizer. Now, that tends to pay poorly, but many people who make even a modest living as an organizer love it because they're helping people obtain instant, visible results, and it tends to be an achievable goal. Plus, if you're good, you're not just helping your clients organize, but you're changing their mindset and their habits so they become organized without having you, that loving taskmaster, breathing down their neck. And finally, start a school. Maybe most exciting, and well, I must admit quite daunting, many ex-teachers wish school were run differently. Maybe you want to take a shot at making that happen. Starting a school is absolutely a major project, and maybe it's going to require you working with one or more outstanding early retired ex- uh, administrators, like a principal, maybe a great business person, maybe a government compliance expert, and so on. Anyway, in theory, teaching should be among the most rewarding careers. You're ideally transforming kids into thoughtful lovers of learning. Alas, sometimes there is a grand canyon of difference between the ideal and the reality. But just maybe one or more of the careers I've just ticked off for you here will enable you to make more of the difference that you were hoping to make. Any case, uh, we'll go to the phones right now, but if you have a question about your work life, especially if you're a career changer who's a counselor and wants to change, who's a creative and wants to change, or a teacher who wants to change, the phone number here at Work with Marty Nemco, 415-841-4134. That's 415-841-4134. And now to the phones. Thank you very much for your patience. It is your turn on the air. How can I help you? Hi there. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. It's awesome timing, Marty. <laughs> I uh, just signed up for classes and am transferring from working in communications uh-huh. to uh, early childhood education. I really want to teach and have a preschool. Okay. And I know that it may uh, be a little bit of a transition. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to my degree in communications, about, I guess, 10 years ago, I was working with kids along the autism spectrum uh-huh. and found it really rewarding uh-huh. to do that and volunteer at a preschool. And so I looked into it and now can apply my degree in communications to this next phase. But I'm kind of thinking, you know, in terms of also retirement and pension, which you mm-hmm. mentioned surrounding, right. <laughs> right. you know, public schools, right. how that how that could parlay. You know, if you have any strategies for that. Well, uh, a couple of thoughts. First of all, or a couple of questions. What made you decide, given that you found autism rewarding, and we know, unfortunately, that autism is maybe, it's, it's pervasive and it seems to be expanding, and the parents are so desperate to get help, and the schools are, is there a reason you wanted to convert uh, from, instead of communications, either in a private school 
where there may or may not be, you may not need a teaching credential, why you wouldn't specialize in autism there are, or being an autism tutor, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, rather than early childhood education, which tends to pay a lot less. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I know as a paraprofessional, it wasn't a lot of money before my degree. It was maybe, I don't know, 35 k a year. And as a preschool teacher here in San Francisco, I believe it's 35 to maybe 44. So additional degrees are required. And I guess the end game would possibly be, you know, to get a master's and to do art therapy within my preschool, specializing in that. But um, I just really like young minds, you know. It's the age group. Um, and I guess I could take the pay cut, but... Um, yeah, sometimes, yeah, I guess it's about a teacher's pursuit and the enjoyment of that versus, you know, sitting in a cubicle doing marketing. Sure, sure, doing, sure, sure. That, that's know, not the question. The question I'm raising is, yeah. given that you don't have any credentials and you don't have a, you know, you, you've got some, you said, paraprofessional experience, there is a large difference between working as a paraprofessional and running a school. There are inordinate legal requirements, insurance requirements, business requirements, marketing requirements, teaching requirements, how to hire. And Absolutely, I'm, absolutely. And that is a deterrent, and I thought about that, you know, right. working as a site supervisor and possibly only interfacing with parents and doing finances and accounting and all the legality involved sounds daunting but right. uh, I think I mean there's there just there are many options and uh, teaching is the goal um, and I guess then just adding more credentials to it and hiring that bookkeeper you know what I, I'm just worried about you you know you said you're worried about losing the pension and, and the benefits etc if you hire out too much you end up eating up a lot of your profits. And if you just, because general early childhood education, parents are very strapped when they have, if you're talking about running your own school, that's private and it's going to be paid for by, by, you know, individual families who are having to pay thousands of dollars a month to afford it. Yeah, um, that, is, that is a huge project. It's the a huge project. To, I, I don't, the option two right now would be to take my pre-existing BA in communications, uh, take these ECE units, and be a site supervisor of a already, you know, developed preschool. Normally, and be the site supervisor there without having to, you know, build it from the ground up. Got it. And what, having, you know, some of the legal protections already provided initially. What seems to make more sense to me, given that you already have a significant paraprofessional experience with young kids would be to try to get that site supervisor job now. That way you're learning on their dime. You may not, yeah. you know, so you're learning how the schools run, but instead of just doing your job with the kids, you are observing how things are run. You deserve it. You observe the hiring process, how, how the, uh, the, 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 the custodians work. You, you learn and you ask lots of questions. So it's like the, that famous dance of Texas two-step. You may want to eventually uh, own your own preschool, but maybe mm-hmm. to reduce some of the risk that you, by your own admission you're calling daunting, it strikes me that your first strategy would be to find the f- one of the finest preschools that exist that are kind of similar to the one you would like to run. Try yeah. to get a job there. Learn a lot. If you, they find that, oh, if you only took these courses in early childhood, then we'd hire you. 
then maybe you'll have to take them. But often that may not be required, especially because we're talking about a private school where it may not be required. And then when you feel more confident, you say, oh, geez, man, I could do this really well. This is a great great early childhood education program, but I can do it as well. Then maybe you'll find one or two people, as you say, who are a business person to either hire by the hour to help you get set up or whatever. But it seems like you need an intermediate step. It's an awful big jump to go it from, from uh, communications to running a, a school. I think there needs to be that intermediate step. Does that make sense? I agree. I agree. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks very much for calling work with Marty Nemco. Get well. Bye-bye. Right. I'll give out the phone number again. We'll go right back to the phones, though. We do have calls on the line. Um, if you have a work-related problem, especially if you're a would-be career changer, sure, because I've just talked about career change for people who are creatives, that is, artists, musicians, actors, and so on, or... Um, teachers, and you're ready for a change out of the classroom and are not convinced that just being trying to be an administrator is the answer, or you're a counselor, like a therapist or a coach or whatever, and you're ready to make a change, uh, and you'd like some guidance on how to make a change that is personalized to you that has a reasonable probability of success, that's a great reason to call. But if you have any kind of work-related problem, that's another good reason to call. The phone number here at Work With Marty Nemco, 415-841-4134. That's 415-841-4134. 4134. And back to the phones. Welcome to the show. It's your turn on the air. How can I help you? Hey, very good. Marty, it's great to hear you. I've listened to your show so many times, and you helped me a heck of a lot Thank maybe you. a decade or so ago, and I appreciate it. Great. What did I, I always like to help our listeners learn lessons from others. What Do you recall what I did that was helpful to you? Well, at the time, I was just beginning to experience the ravages of ageism. Uh-huh. Not aging, but right. ageism. Right. But that's, that's all behind me now. I'm in a whole new situation now, and not to waste your time. Let me get right to it. Um, now my transition is having moved up to a radically different area uh, than the Bay Area. I raised both my kids very satisfactorily. Uh, they're doing what just great down in the Bay Area. And uh, that's a whole other story. But anyway, I have decided to escape from the Bay Area and uh, now live in South Lake Tahoe, way up in the Sierra Nevada. I know a lot of people who have done that. Not not necessarily Tahoe, but Grass Valley and other places, yes. It took me a couple of years to find a spot up here. But uh, anyway, I just needed to get away, and I've always wanted to live way up high with the trees and the Mm -hmm. clear sky and all Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, here's my question, uh, the career-related question. I find myself in a very modest town, mm-hmm. <laughs> by way of size anyway, yes. <clears throat> and it's also a tourist town. Uh, and uh, now I, I, have a deg- I was a physics major, mm. I also have a degree in music, uh-huh. and uh, I can tutor, I've tutored many people over my life. Uh-huh. I've had a, a very happy career in high tech, as I mentioned, mm. so I could teach like programming or something, but I don't have a teaching credential. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can give seminars and stuff, and again, I've done you know, one-to-one tutoring when I can find a parent who needs, uh, has a child with, uh, you know, has a problem with algebra or something like that, mm-hmm. I can step in and make a big difference. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, but things are different here, and <clears throat> I'm not quite sure how to go about marketing the skills that I have, and uh, I'm also not really looking for full-time work. I'm looking for part-time work, which kind of brings me back to the tutoring thing. Yeah. Just, just interested in your thoughts about what I might be able to do 
with that technical background and a love of teaching. And I just don't have a teaching credential. I'm not sure I should start now. I'm 69. Should I? Uh-huh. I no, probably not. You know, the, the thing that most people do, this is the standard advice, and I'm curious if that will work for you. Okay. You know, when you're working in a, when living in a small town, you know, there's just a limited population base. Exactly. But thanks to the Internet, especially since you're, you're, you're a tech person, you know, if you did a good enough job of marketing yourself on the web and doing, you know, a th- you know when I started as a career counselor decades ago, um, almost all of my clients were in person. Now two-thirds of them are Skype or phone. You is know, that right? Oh, yes, absolutely. People, oh. the traffic is impossible here. I'm sure that's one of the reasons you left the Bay Area. <laughs> oh, that's exactly one of the reasons. It's why. getting worse and worse. It's, it really is. It's, 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 stroke, it's uh, choking. Um, in any case, but if you, with the right... Um, Facebook AdWords or the right on the right websites. If you can place little ads or little videos of you in action, if you're really a good teacher, uh-huh. have a, a little couple of videos of you in action uh, tutoring on whatever you know. You keep coming back. You know, there's much you could tutor, but you said that you're particularly good. You could be teaching program. Well, people really want to learn coding or basic, exactly. and they want to do one-on-one. You know, whatever you know, R if it's a you know kind of a a language that people are really into for. Um, uh, for machine learning and artificial intelligence right. or something more basic like old-fashioned C, you know, C++, yeah. you know, I think that's how you can, especially part-time, you certainly don't need a credential. Your credential yeah. will be bo- most some, sa- some recommendations from satisfied clients and, right. again, better to show, not tell, a little video of you, maybe if you're doing a couple of tutoring sessions and you edit it down to the best two yeah. minutes of like little clips. What I do you think that. about that? Oh, I love it. I think you're right on the nose. And uh, didn't occur to me. I thought I'd be, you know, either pounding the pavement or, or trying to find a way to get my, uh, you know, get the word out that I'm out here and I can help people. And again, I, I well, if I didn't make that clear, I love teaching kids, but I'll teach anybody. I've, I've taught so many different seminars, people of all ages, uh, and I am a technical person. And, uh, you know, the math and science Two, there's only one high school up here, only mm-hmm. one or two elementary schools and only one junior high. Mm-hmm. But, you know, without a credential, I don't know. Is it possible to tutor kids? I mean, I don't know yes. how you even get into the t- uh, tutoring community around a high school okay. or something like that without a credential. How that's that yeah, that's how, how I would do it. It's easy because it's one high school. I would talk to the chair of the physics department at South Lake oh, Tahoe okay. High School. Okay. And explain that you don't have a, 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 a credential, but that you are—you've had a lot of experience teaching, uh, tutoring physics, and you'd be—you'd be more than delighted if he wants for you to do a free workshop for students to demonstrate what oh, you can do, I, and I that way, that. again, it's a show-don't-tell thing, and then maybe yeah. they'll feel more comfortable. Uh, your tutoring, if not at home, sometimes they're more comfortable with having you tutor right at Saint Lake, uh, Lake, South Lake right. Tahoe High School uh, af- in the after-school program. So, okay, so not, not to monopolize your time, let me just ask you one last okay. question. Sorry. Since you mentioned uh, uh, the physics environment, uh, yep. what about a, uh, teaching assistant or a classroom aide or something like that? How does that work? Unfortunately, that in the public schools, that's credential, too. There is, oh. It used to be very uncredentialed, and pretty much anybody you know, very quickly yeah. could get. Now yeah. they've really ratcheted up the requirements. They're really requiring a child development, uh. at least an associate's degree. That doesn't feel real. Now, again, there are also, of course, private schools are under fewer regulations. So right. if there is a private school in reasonable driving distance from where you 
anymore, and there's not a lot of traffic, so you can you're driving your can be more than three miles away, and you'll still be able to get there. Yeah, um, it's a riot up here. I don't even have a car. I don't want a car. I I can pedal my bike the well, five miles it takes to get to anywhere. Great <laughs> around here. Great. So yeah. maybe if there is a private school, there may be more to use the technical term degrees of freedom okay. that they yeah. have um, in in, choose, in hiring you. So you've got okay. two prongs. I'll let you go. I'll let you go right here. Thank you so much, Marty. It's great to hear your counsel again. I really appreciate and it. And it always makes me feel great that uh, even a decade ago you felt yeah. I was helpful and still think of me. Oh, yeah. So appreciate you it. Seriously, were no doubt. Awesome. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, right, let's go right back to the phones. Um, welcome to work with Marty Nemco. It's your turn on the air. How can I help you? Marty? Hi. Oh, well, I'm on. Benny, can you... Okay. Hi, Marty. I just want to say I loved your article about Hachi, first of all. Oh. <laughs> it right? And I thought it was one of the more beautiful articles I've ever read. Oh. Um, I need to let the listeners know. You want, why don't you, why don't, in your words, tell about the art. Tell the, uh, tell the, uh, what I, what, what did I, who is Hachi okay. and what did I write? So I was curious about the name because people love their trendy doggy names. So Dr. Marty had a doggy named I mean, We have to go back to Einstein if I'm going to tell. Oh my God, you are a fan. Yeah. Yeah. So Marty has this. Had I'm sorry, he'll he'll be forever. A beautiful little lamb. I don't know the breed. Called Einstein. A mixed breed, a cute little rescue doggy. Yeah. Rescue dog, but looks very fancy and very posh. (laughs) He was extremely involved in Dr. Marty's work. If you came for. My husband's done some wonderful coaching with you, um, some career coaching. So if you came to Marty for a session, there'd be Einstein. Right. Um, I know when you spoke at the library, there was no Einstein because you couldn't bring him. But Einstein was a, was a part of you. Right. So he passed away, right. and it was heartbreaking. You let, you let your um, listeners know. I don't know if you wrote about that. I but, did. Um, I, I even sent you a card. Like, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So okay. anyway, um, the long and short of it is you... You were ready, because you're a guy who has a dog always, I mm-hmm. think. So it's you true. went to um, a rescue nearby in the East Bay, I believe it is. Yep. And you learned that a precious little lamb, I'm going to first mm-hmm. tell the quick story and then why the name Hachi, uh, this little this little angel boy, mm-hmm. who looked pretty dreadful, I imagine, right. had been uh, roaming fields in San Jose exactly. for either a week or a month. Months. What was it? Months. His, months. his little right. short, months. poodly mixed thing had hair down to the ground. Because yeah. he had been oh. ignored Fox for so long. tails all right. through his fur. He exactly. had to get shaved. He looked like exactly. a, a punk rock kind of thing. And so you felt, and, and he, oh, and he jumped all over you and you wept. And I thought that was That's beautiful. Because Marty, Marty is an atheist. He's not our, <laughs> our softest. He's got an incredible heart. But Marty, Marty can be, uh, how shall I say? Anyway, so you just were so taken by this little lamb. And you learned that, I believe it was, so the name does sound Japanese, I think it was mm-hmm. in Japan, but yes. I could be wrong. Correct. Um, uh, an elder had a beautiful dog. Right. I, I like to add the ad- adjective because every dog is beautiful. And I believe there was something about a train. E- either this dog took the train with the elder or met him at the train every day. Met him when he was in a small town. Met him every day at the end of work. Yes. And met, So met this wonderful person every day after work and after this person died i believe hachi continued to go to the train station you tell me marty it was either weeks months or years every day 10 how long was it 10 years every ten day 10 years 10 years every day and i'm guessing since that story exists that like the doggy is okay and the new owner went like the dog is fine you know that's 10 years so hopefully the dog had um, you know gone to a new person? The dog years. died. No, the community. The community oh, the took community, care of the dog for his entire life, and then yes. the dog died of old age. 
And then they, in Japan, they have statues. You know, loyalty is very important to the Japanese. They have statues of Hachi all over. And because I'm going to be loyal to my Hachi forever, and he's going to be loyal to me, I named him Hachi. Okay, but now, how can I help you? You're too sweet. I have two quick comments. That's two quick comments. I'm a psychotherapist. Okay. I am definitely not changing my career, but for any psychotherapist, I'm not arguing with Dr. Marty, but I want to say something. Before you before you get rid of the baby with the bathwater, are you seeing too many clients? Are you charging enough? If you're seeing whiny people, change your focus, because actually most clients I find aren't um, anywhere near as whiny as I am, but <laughs> see less clients. And I speak... I speak to therapists seeing more than 21 people a week, Marty. That is too much. It Therapy is. was never right. meant to be. And they're doing that. People who take insurance are seeing 30. We mm. will get sick. We yeah. will have, you know, extreme burnout. So I say to the therapist, I challenge you, please don't get rid of the baby with the bathwater. I don't know that I want you selling wedding gowns, even though Marty has great ideas. I want you to, if you don't mind, charge more for the clients mm. who can do that obviously, and see less people and make sure you have a life outside of doing therapy. On your weekends, I command you not to keep going to therapeutic conventions that are just (laughs) disembodied and exhausting. Um, Also, I wanted to mention, if I could, to the two callers, I was so taken. I was in the car. I believe she has a background in graphic design, the woman who went to preschool. Communications. Communications. Well, I, I don't love that she calls herself a paraprofessional. Homegirl is a professional. Oh no, she was a okay. no. She worked no. She worked previous to that as a okay. paraprofessional in a preschool. Okay, I don't love the term paraprofessional, but I understand it exists. She wasn't the teacher. She was the assistant. Got it. You know, got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. She has a degree, from what I recall, in communications, and she has a really sunny energy and disposition. I take her on as a client. She's not whiny. But anyway, what I want to say is I'd love her to, to use an expression I hate, think outside the box. What parents does she know who have dough and are influential? In the Bay Area, there's a lot of that. Can she go to the meetings where the parents are? I'm trying to channel you, Marty. Can she go to the meetings where the parents are? Can she think like a parent? She may, she may not be one, but... She so loves kids, and she sounds incredibly bright. I'm very intuitive. I really mean that. And I, I just wish her the best, and I hope that she makes way over 35K because maybe on the side she will do some version of tutoring or coaching. Though you are a very real and true career coach with a Ph.D. from Berkeley, freakishly overeducated, if somebody wants to be a coach, Marty, they don't have to do a ton of education, and for better or for worse. And some people just have a natural talent at it. So I'm not asking people to go rogue, but it can be a wise side hustle. To the man who... Is that okay that I said that? Of course. Not at me. You were going to say one more thing. Yeah, please. To the man who's 69 and sounds adorable, but I'm married and a little younger. (laughs) You're too too awesome to be... um, And Marty helped you years ago. You're freakishly overeducated as well. I think he said physics, and I think he said... Computer science, yeah. Computer science, I and music. I don't, I don't know how to say this nicely, but let's use jealousy. Yesterday, I had a jealousy attack, and I it was pretty bad. And I that means I saw uh, a therapist uh, written up in a magazine for being fabulous, and she was naked because you know that's very professional. Yeah. And it was <laughs> I won't say what magazine, but she was posing to show the world how well beautiful she is. And I said, you know, so I and I looked at her fee, and it's three hundred a session. Here's what I want you to do: sixty nine year old, don't get naked and get in a magazine. Think outside the box. Use your jealousy, even though you're not a jealous person, and go online and see what young people are doing. They have the chutzpah and the audacity to do some really cool stuff. Just like Dr. Marty said, do not limit yourself to the town you live in. 
that young naked therapist is Skyping with people in Canada and Australia and all sorts of other things. I don't even know what she's doing. So I guess I just wanted to say ageism is disgusting and egregious, but here's the good news. You're smart, dude. Start intimidating people. Use, if, if you don't mind me saying so, use some of the audacity that the young have. Marty, is that okay that you said that? Well, like, I can certainly see what I really love as much as the advice is, you know, your generosity of spirit. You are certainly an honored oh, member of the you. Work With Marty Nemco workforce. <laughs> I thank you so much for calling the show. Thanks, Marty. Take Thanks. care. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right, give out the phone number one more time. We've got other calls, but uh, if you've got a work-related problem, I, I always welcome people sharing. I mean, it's very nice. I mean, I know some stuff, but uh, uh, no one person has is a font of all wisdom, and this was certainly an articulate and enthusiastic uh, person who called. Um, if either because you've got a problem you'd like me to help with it, or you have something you'd like to share, um, anything career-related is the uh, is the only requirement. The phone number here at Work with Marty Nemco and, and K E L W, which brings us to you, four one five eight four one. 4134. That's 415 841 4134. Let's take one more call, then I'm going to do some, some other stuff. Welcome to the show. It's your turn on the air. How can I help you? Hi, it's you. Are you there? Hello. Last time. Are you still there? Okay, maybe he'll call back. All right. So I'm going to actually, what I think I'm going to do is I am going to. Um, um, off, you know, um, this show has kind of been focused on um, different careers for people of a certain type or career changes of a certain profession or whatever. Well, typically careers are recommended to people based on the person's skills and their interests and their aptitudes. Like, for example, there is this thing in my field, in the career counseling field, called the Holland Codes where people are put into categories based on their answers to some questions. Are they hands-on people? Are they investigative types? Are they artistic? Are they social? Are they entrepreneurial? Or are they better at office details than the computer? Well, less often are careers matched to today's popular, what are called the big five personality traits. That's openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and emotional stability. Of course, with thousands of careers and variants on each of those careers, I can only scratch the surface here. I've picked careers that capitalize on each personality trait, each of those big five. The low people who score low on them as well as people who score high. And because I originally prepared this for psychology today, I'm focusing on those that psychologically oriented people um, might enjoy and do well at. so for each of these categories, I'm going to merely offer one, maybe sometimes two or three that might be particularly worth your attention. But first, um, a couple of tips. Where you fall on this big five is often determined by self-report. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to skip all that. All right. Um, number one is this, fa- this factor called openness, um, which is people who are crea- creative and abstract thinkers and very curious. Um, the obvious career for somebody who is high on openness is a psychology researcher. It seems like an obvious choice for such people. Um, also, uh, unfortunately, getting to exercise that creativity and abstraction usually requires a PhD. And importantly, and this is really valuable to anyone who's looking to become a researcher, you've got to be willing, unfortunately, in this era of specialization, you've got to focus narrowly. Early in your graduate school experience, you've got to identify a fundable research area, maybe an understudied but potentially fruitful basic research area, like 
regarding gene expression or neural circuits, or if you want a more quick, practical findings, you're aiming for that, you might pick an, a promising applied research area like within autism or depression or ADHD or intelligence or Alzheimer's, uh, where the jobs are mainly for biotech companies and pharmaceutical companies. But what if you're low on that curiosity and openness and abstraction and uh, very open to uh, uh, open-ended uh, issues and questions. Well, there's a field that is psychology related that is perfect for you, and that is a psychometrist. Most people never even heard of it. Those are the people whose job is mainly to administer tests like intelligence tests, personality tests, aptitude tests, and those tests require really you have to precisely follow a structured standard procedure, and that's really good for people who are not so big on open-ended creativity and abstraction. The second of the big five attributes is conscientiousness. For people who are high in conscientiousness, uh, a psychologically related career that I, I love, and it's probably one that I would consider if I was starting over again in my life, is bioethicist, because life, life and death decisions are common in that job, and so you've really got to be very conscientious. A, a typical issue that a bioethicist might face is helping a couple that has a genetic predisposition to depression or breast cancer to decide whether or not to have kids. Or in a more macro role, as I believe we are headed toward a single-payer healthcare system, should everyone, legally in the U.S. or not, paying into the system or not, be entitled to the same level of health care. There are ethical arguments on both sides of that argument, and what an interesting and important question. So for somebody who's really high in conscientiousness, bioethicist, probably rises to the top of my list. Now, what if you're the opposite? You know, you're a kickback, laid-back person. I'll, I'll simply call it you're high on easygoingness. In the psychological realm, being an art therapist or a music therapist or a horticultural therapist or a pet therapist... Those kind of counselors tend to work with patients for whom major quick improvement isn't expected necessarily or isn't necessarily required, and where an easygoing, artistic, kind of feeling-centered person may be well-suited. Another example of a career for somebody who's high on easygoingness might be being an artist or fiction writer specializing in psychological themes. Now, I'm well aware that this is not normally the path to high income, but it's, you know, for the right person, it's perfect. The standard definition of high easygoingness usually includes artistic, creative sensibilities. So it is a good, although financially risky, pick. The third of the big five personality characteristics are extroversion versus introversion. And a good career for extroverts is a salesperson. And again, if we're talking psychology, a salesperson of psychology-related products like selling tests or practice management softwares. Um, or in the nonprofit realm, uh, the analog, as I've said twice now in the show, uh, the nonprofit analog of salesperson is fundraiser. And again, if we're focusing on psychology-related, being a fundraiser for a psychology-related nonprofit like the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the National Association of Gifted Children, or Autism Speaks, which is the major organization um, that advocates for autistic kids or and adults. For people who are more introverted, the flip side of the extroversion-introversion scale, an, an obvious choice is a lab technician or a lab technologist. Whether you're working with data or you're working with animals or even humans, being a lab technician or lab technologist is well-suited to introverts because the amount and complexity of human interaction tends to be limited or at least is highly structured. 
The fourth of the five big personality characteristics is high agreeableness. People who tend to be just get people to like them easily or very likable. A career that fits well for that is human resources specialist, especially in organizational development or in conflict resolution or inclusion training or harassment training. Those personality characteristics that being a highly agreeable person can be invaluable in that. And one more is being a mediator. The good mediator has its almost an ineffable gift of calming people down under stress, which enables them to be more rational than often is the case in disputes. And, of course, a high agreeableness person is likely to have that gift. The flip side of that, somebody who is low in agreeableness, might be somebody who would be a self-employed consultant, less people skills involved. So if we're, again, staying in the realm of psychology, some possibly psychology-oriented niches would be to develop an organization's employee selection paradigm or develop an organization's psychologically-oriented documents like the employee handbook, including how emergencies, including a suddenly violent employee or customer, is to be handled. And the fifth and final of the big five personality characteristics is emotional stability. For people who are high in emotional stability, there are you want you're well suited to the high stress jobs because you're not going to explode like a hostage negotiator or a psychologist in a mental hospital or in private practice with volatile patients. Again, I'm focusing on psychology related careers because it was originally this was prepared for psychology today. And finally, the opposite, low emotional stability or a more positive way of framing it would be somebody who's highly sensitive. That might be for a psychologically oriented person being a therapist or counselor in solo private practice who specializes in a relatively low stress area like phobias or mild anxiety or a career counselor or a personal coach. I've only listed a, a relatively small number of careers, but I'm merely this little talk is merely uh, inviting you to consider as one data point in your search for a well-suited career, one that matches your personality type. Anyway, um, we have time for one more call. Let's go to the phones. Welcome to Work with Marty Nemco. It's your turn on the air. How can I help you? Hi. Hello? Hi. Hi. Um, my name is Rachel. This is my first time ever listening to your show or calling in. Um, Welcome. But I was driving home. And, thank you. And it said, for people who are doing career changes. And I said, <laughs> oh, let me call this. Okay. So um, I have, I'm 48. It's the last um, 16 years. I've run a successful nonprofit trade publishing house, book publishing house. Yep. In the fields of mindfulness, um, yep. psychology, Buddhism in particular. Right. And then um, I left about a year and a half ago to run I was sort of recruited away from the shop where I'd sort of been the publisher and had a lot of stability, job stability and security, and um, for another job where I was working remotely for a slightly larger publisher that did the same thing, for a okay. larger publisher that did the same thing. Okay, like Shambhala um, Press so or that. something. Exactly, and um, something like that. And then I um, they recently restructured. They were not based in the Bay Area, and I'm based in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And so, um, unexpectedly, I'm not doing that job anymore, and go back to running the other publishing house because I just, you know, had been gone for a year and a half and helped them find a new publisher and all that. So I'm looking at moving into literary agenting, particularly uh -huh. in this field where I have a lot of expertise. Right. Um, and sort of a full-service literary agenting 
that I kept for I do developmental editing and help actually bring proposals. You're talking fast, so I'm going to explain. Let me, let me, let me, you're, you're talking a little fast. So for a full-service literary agency for dear listeners, when she said quickly, she said including development. A lot of authors have a great idea and maybe even a, a draft of a book, but it needs a lot of fixing, whether it be better restructuring or better stories or a change of language or just plain old copy editing. And so a full-service literary agent would help with all that. Is that a fair statement? That's a great summary, and it's really that a lot of times the people who have the most, um, who are the least heard or have the most important ideas or kind of thinking big don't, aren't necessarily writers, and so it's helping right. them with all aspects, exactly, and getting that book to the most successful publisher, because working in publish from the publishing side, I saw that those authors who had advocates, usually agents, um, usually got better deals and had more marketing behind them and really um, were able to get their book to more audience. And many many, so, many book publishers won't even take an unagented book proposal anymore. So That's true, right. Okay, continue. Um, and then some of them try and do the work of agents and do that as well, but then they're kind of, you know, their um, loyalties are sort of split between the author and the Absolutely. publisher. Absolutely. Of course. It's in the interest of the publisher to keep, you know, make a, a worse offer. <laughs> keep advances low. Exactly. Right. So having seen that from the publishing side I've, and really realizing my heart is with the authors, this is, I'm um, excited to do this, but I've never, I've run companies before, but I've never run my own company. I've always worked for either, you know, a for-profit or non-profit side of board or something like that. Is that a crazy idea no. to do this? No, here I can be optimistic. Crazy. You don't have to be a really great business person here. What I would advise you we to do... I am a pretty good business person, actually. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so what I would advise you to do is to, to kickstart your, your business. You want to get as many A-list clients. I know you, want, you, you, you like the idea of nurturing uh, somebody with great ideas, but you may, for starters, it will help you gain the trust of prospective writers if you can get one or more A-list people. So think about your space of people who are in, in, the, in the Buddhist space or the mindfulness space, and you, it cannot hurt to query them and say that you, are, you worked on the other side of the table, but this is you feel it's your mission in life. You love their mm-hmm. work because of A, B, and C. Of course, if they're happy with their current agent, of course, you're not trying to poach poach them away, mm-hmm. but if perchance they're looking for another agent, at least on a trial basis with their next book, you would love to mm-hmm. have coffee or chat. To, and then, so that's point one way to do it. Maybe those you already know. And then third, of course, there are conferences, book conferences for people mm-hmm. who, are, uh, who are promoting their previous books. And of course, you want authors who are uh, while they may be Buddhist and mindful and all the rest of it are not averse to, <laughs> to marketing. And so mm-hmm. seeing who's really good at those, uh, at those book fairs, like the Berkeley mm-hmm. book fair is a perfect example. Um, yeah, and I then recruiting say. the best people you can. That's all the time mm-hmm. I have. What's your quick reaction to that? That's awesome. Thanks so much. I love it. It's helpful. It's concrete and it's, um, yeah. I wish you the best. You also you're you're definitely riding with the wave. There's no question that mindfulness is becoming okay. more and more mainstream, as is Buddhism, um, as people are looking for an alternative to standard, for example, Christianity. Uh, and so, I wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much. I appreciate you taking the time. It was, nice it was my pleasure. You take care. Be well. Bye bye. And that is work with Marty Nemco for this week. I want to thank my board operator Joanne Marr, and of course all of you for listening and calling in. Please join me again next Thursday at 7 p.m. You can call in for a workover, plus big impact careers, future-ready careers, and careers for people who are bad at math. 
Until then, this is Marty Nemco reminding you that we find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't.